Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and I'm joined with Dr. Abir Cyan on today's Optometric Insights show, where we're going to be talking about the two sides of optometry. Abir, welcome, welcome, welcome. It was awesome seeing you at our national conference um, a few weeks ago. It was just absolutely great. Um, for, for those that are um, not in tune to Canadian podcasts. Um, and I saw that you have the number one podcast in, in Canada. I think you're getting a pretty good reach um, in the US as well too. But tell, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your practice, where you went to optometry school and some of the things that you do outside of the practice as well too for optometry. Absolutely. Mila, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate being here. Um, I'm so used to interviewing people and, and, and having them on my podcast. It's always fun to do it the other way around. Um, so yeah, my name's Harbir Cyan. I'm an optometrist. I live in Vancouver, BC. Um, my business partner and I have two uh, optometric practices. One is a sublease next door to a lens crafters and one is a private practice. So definitely get kind of the two different worlds, the two different perspectives. Um, you know, I've been doing that for, um, we opened the sublease now almost nine years ago um, and the private practice about five years ago now. Um, but to rewind the clock a little more, I graduated from Neko, go Neko, uh, in 2010, um, you know, and moved right back to Vancouver. Uh, as soon as I was done, I didn't do a residency or anything like that. But honestly, since I started practicing, um, you know, I think it was something that we might touch on and the, right when I graduated or right before I officially graduated in May of 2010, um, we had this massive deregulation that happened here in BC and it became this like, so contact lens, online sales, all that kind of deregulation. And that became this like sort of epicenter for me um, or focal point for me to start doing a lot more like public education and outreach type of stuff. Cause I felt like somehow someone had to tell the public like you can't just go online and buy your contacts without a valid prescription. So from there, I, you know, I started writing blogs. I started making YouTube videos. I then, you know, that led to the podcast and all these other things. And it's a, it's a whole other world of stuff that I've been so blessed to be part of. Um, um, and I would say, I don't want to say ultimately, but it's, it's, it, that was a big um, factor in leading up to one of the highlights of my career. Just late last year, I was, uh, had the, the opportunity to give a TED Talk on kind of the, the importance of eye care and, and kind of put my passion into it. That was really cool. That's great. It is interesting, though, how out of necessity these these things are born. I mean, yeah. so I, I remember that time in 2010. That was a very contentious place because, again, British Columbia in particular was the epicenter of the North American optometric world. Everybody was looking and seeing mm. what was happening there. And it's remarkable that it, it was deregulated as it was one i think it shares with everybody kind of listening to this the importance of organized optometry because i think we're really that opportunity to have the fighting chance for patients to receive appropriate care in the right way that was the first thing but but the second thing out of that as opposed to like listen it, it was happening and you realize that that train wasn't going to be derailed so what you did was you took a more proactive approach and you said, well, if this is happening, I'm at least going to do my my part to educate the people that I'm going to care for 
on really what the appropriate way to have eye care and eyewear is. And that's what it sounds like you did is, I mean, did I summarize that kind of in the, the way that the mindset that you were in at the time? Absolutely. Yeah. Somewhere in there. I mean, it started with anger, right? And, and I wanted to yell at someone and break things. And then I realized that wasn't going to be very productive. So then it led to the eventually like, okay, what's the better way to approach this exactly? We're glad you did it the second way because it would have given you something to do, but wouldn't have got much done. But it's That's awesome. right. You have that, that, that resource now for patients. So you have a really interesting practice setting because you actually are a part owner of um, what's con- typically considered a side-by-side with a commercial entity, mm-hmm. but then you also have a separate private practice. So give us the evolution first and foremost, how you kind of initially came into the side-by-side with the corporate entity like how did that happen what was the impetus for that occurring yeah absolutely uh it is definitely a unique position to be in and um sometimes i i am not sometimes i work in each practice two days a week so i'm working for seeing patients four days a week and i definitely have to wear different hats you know and have to remember which hat i'm putting on when i'm walking through the door um but it all started when i came back in 2010 I was mostly actually working in this side-by-side type of setting. Um, you know, I, I, I took a different approach to getting a job when I came back. I didn't really go around and apply. I just sort of over the, you know, the years while I was in school and during my fourth year when I was back, sort of just reached out and created a bit of a network here and saw, you know, multiple people had opportunities when I just sort of picked the ones that I thought were going to be the most suited for me to learn and and make some money, obviously. Um and those happened to be a couple of different clinics that were both side by side. So I was working in a few different locations um, in different lens crafters. And I think just having to having been in that setting and kind of exposed to some of the management and upper you know management people within lens crafters, um, a few years into my career, there was an opportunity. They were building a new mall, brand new lens crafter store, and they sort of tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I wanted it. So that's really where it came from. Pretty natural in that sense. I didn't necessarily go looking for it. Um, but at the same time, I was looking to have my own business. I knew I was going to one day open my own practice. I didn't know exactly what modality it would be. Um, so when the opportunity came, I thought, uh, you know, generally low overhead, low risk. It's a great chance for me to get my feet wet and start to learn the business side of things and absolutely has been that. And the business model on that side of it is really 100% based on professional fees. Is that correct? That's right. So we, we don't get any retail um, eye exams, um, any specialty services that we offer, and then uh, contact lens and dry eye products like eye drops and things like that. And then Arbir, do you employ um, like the technicians, the receptionists? Are those supplied to you or is it kind of a combination of the two? So uh, we employ all our staff ourselves. Uh, we hire all our associate doctors ourselves. That's all all responsibilities on my side. That's great. That's great. So now, so now you're kind of moving along. You're you're in this side by side, and I know you. You know you're a successful guy. And then Thank something you. something happens. Something changes a few years later, and you you go into kind of your own practice where it's not necessarily a side by side, but you're providing all the services from eye exams, contact lens services, but also the medical devices that you're fitting patients with. Yeah, absolutely. So my business partner, um, funny, she had a totally, basically the opposite um, career experience to me. So I basically worked in these sublease settings for most of my career, uh, whereas she actually worked in the private practice setting her entire career. 
Um, and we, we've been friends for, for many, many years. And we had talked, talked about this towards the end of optometry school that we would potentially go into business together. Um, and so, you know, we had the one sublease and we were constantly looking for another, but the growth of that type of, um, uh, practice in that market is quite slow where we are here. There's very few new lens crafters or sublease type practices opening up, um, here compared to other provinces or states in the U S. So we, we kind of just kept our eyes open and this, this opportunity to start our, um, private practice cold came around. Um, and we, we saw the location, you know, how the saying always goes location, 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 right? We saw that this was a brand new neighborhood that was up and coming. And 10 years from now, it was going to be um, quite densely populated. And this would be the only clinic in that little region if we were to open it at that time. So we took a bit of a leap of faith there. And, um, you know, we decided that the, thankfully that the two clinics that we have are, are quite far apart. So we never really have to worry about any type of competitive uh, concerns or, or um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Any, uh, any of that uh, concern about losing patients or, or switching patients over for two different demo or for two different populations, essentially based totally. On yeah. And when uh, did you open up your own practice? Like when, that's when been f- five years. Okay. So now open in five years and, and you actually are expanding some of the services that you're providing yeah. as well too. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure anybody who who's open to practice, private practice cold knows it. It's, tough going for the first couple of years. Um, so we, we felt, uh, at the three year mark. So we opened in April, 2017. So three years from that point is April, 2020. <laughs> and, uh, right as we were getting into the early, you know, Q1 of 2020, we're like, I think we're getting on our feet here. Things are looking pretty good. <laughs> uh, and then, and then obviously we shut everything down for a couple of months and then we had to restart. But I think like many of our colleagues, um, I, you know, that I've spoken to the last couple of years express, you know, once we reopened and got back on our feet again, actually things were pretty good. You know, um, revenue per patient was higher. We were seeing less patients, but making more money and, and, you know, feeling busy and able to offer better services and all this. It felt like a rejuvenation or Renaissance kind of thing for the clinic here. And, and as part of that, we wanted to, we wanted to use that as an opportunity to lean into some of the things that we liked. And, and the key one was dry eye. So, just before COVID, we had acquired the ILUX device uh, for MGD, and we were starting to like that and felt like it was doing doing quite well, but we really wanted to get into it deeper. And um, that's when we, oof, when was it? Uh, beginning of 2021 um, is when we bought the in-mode radio frequency and IPL system. Um, so for the last year and a half, so after that, we, we took our second exam room and we turned it into a a dedicated treatment room. We sort of spruced it up, did some renos, you know, put on the little diffuser thing and play the nice music in the background, got a nice chandelier in the room, you know, made it look real good. And that's kind of a dedicated room for treatments now. So a few, few, at least a few days a week, it's kind of just busy with patients coming through for dry eye treatments or uh, facial aesthetic type treatments and things like that. It's, it's been really nice to have that. So are you doing most of that care? Is your partner doing most of that care? Are you kind of splitting the care in the dry eye section of the practice? Um, so as far as actually delivering the treatment, uh, we've hired a couple of people to do that, estheticians and technicians to do that. Um, so we will see the patient um, you know, for their routine eye care. We'll see them for their dry eye consultation. 
And when we make the recommendation for the treatment, then we hand them off to the technician or the esthetician to take over from there. And then we'll usually see them back a month or two later after they've gone through their course of treatments and kind of reassess. Um, but when we first got the machine, I was doing the, my, my business partner was on mat leave. Um, and so for, you know, however many months I was doing the treatments myself and it's time consuming. Radio frequency takes quite a bit of time. IPL is quick. Um, so I, I was dedicating a lot of time to learning how to do it. And at the time I felt it wasn't uh, very, and it wasn't a very efficient use of my time. But since then I realized I learned so much about how the machines work and, and how the eyelid uh, responds to these treatments and, and what we can see, you know, physically during the treatment, after the treatment, I felt like I, I, I just learned it so intimately now. So when I speak to somebody else about these things, I can, you know, I have all these pictures in my mind. I can give them all such detailed information on how it works and what to expect. Um, it really actually was a blessing uh, that I got to spend so much time hands-on with it, but I don't touch it anymore. I let the, let the staff take care of it. That's great. That's great. It's, it's so interesting to hear kind of how you've um, really taken these two facets of optometry that are both well-known, established, um, and both, they, again, they take care of patients, but in, in different ways, in different mm. business models, and you've really leveraged them. And you're kind of really taking care of patients in these two very different clinical settings, but you're providing awesome patient care in both of them. It's so, it's so interesting to hear because it's such a rarity in optometry mm. to be an owner or a partner in a side-by-side -side and your own private practice as well, too. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure this was the case, you know, when you're in school and it was when I was, and apparently it still is, uh, you know, there's, there's, um, certain sort of negative connotation around corporate optometry and these types of side-by-side -side settings. And to some, some degree I can understand it, but for the most part, um, I think it's, it's not true. I think there's, it's sort of a, a false conception of, of, um, what private optometry, excuse me, corporate optometry can be or sublease settings can be. Uh, you know, we've tried very hard in our sublease setting to be, to provide the exact level of care that we provide in our private practice. Um, you know, on the medical side of things, we, we literally do the exact same eye exam. We have the exact same pre-testing equipment in both offices. The difference comes then when I'm making the recommendation for, um, you know, the lenses that the patient's going to have in their glasses and that kind of thing from that point forward in the, in the lens crafter setting, I have to understand uh, have a good knowledge of what the lenses are that they carry um, and then try to give the patient the best option I can based on that, what they offer. And they offer some good lenses. You know, I know we've gone through some trial and error and what's working, what doesn't work for my patients. And on the other side, uh, you know, in the private practice, we go back a couple more steps. We say, okay, what in the entire industry, what is the best product we can offer? Let's work with that company and bring that in. And so we have a little bit, obviously more say in what we're giving to our patients, but um, from day, from the first step, when the patient walks in the door, we try to offer the exact same level of care. That's great. Abir, I, I want to appreciate, or I, I want to thank you for your time here. This was, this was absolutely awesome and, and truly enlightening, just lightning, just to get a little bit more perspective on, uh, the differences and the different facets within optometry and really kind of how you're spending your time building both those businesses. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on with us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mila. I really appreciate it. Uh, I look up to you. I, you know, I really love everything that you're doing. Um, I want to say thanks for for setting such a great example and and you know helping to elevate optometry and helping people like myself to do more and, and you know lift it up. Abir, you're doing you're doing great on your own. You don't need old people like me. <laughs>
We all need role models, man. We all need role models. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Optometric Insight Show. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you're um, listening to future podcasts as well, too, where, where we'll have other um, guests where we're talking about innovative topics. Thank you.